Do you want to tell you about the uh, weird dream I had? Oh, as always, your last one was a belter with slightly annoying The Rock. I'm watching Mayans MC at the moment because I enjoy it, you know, whatever. I must have watched it too close to going to sleep because there was a bit in an episode where somebody was making someone choose between if a bad guy shot his family or his club member. Right. It's a fairly easy choice, but whatever. It was all drawn out. and So I had a dream that somebody was trying to decide between shooting me and Rupert Grint. <laughs> I mean, we're pod buddies, but I'd choose Grint any day of the week. Yeah, so did he. <laughs> oh, no, you died in your dream. Yeah. Wow. Well, we'll have more of Rob's Dreamland celebrity encounters next week. You never come off well in these things. Like, the, you annoyed The Rock, and then, then you actually died in this one. Yeah. Does anybody ever come off well in their own dreams? I, I do, all right. Okay. So, yeah, I don't, have any, I, I don't have any dreams to share with you. This is my dream right here. Aww. Okay, I'm regretting saying that now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Aww. God, let's let's talk about dinosaurs, man. It's like the end of Free Guy, and you're um, you're the one of Stranger Things, and I'm Jodie Comer. Why do you have to make it weird every single time? Are you gonna bark all day? This is a tasty burger. I am just a figment of your imagination. Here's Johnny. Sad, strange little man. These guys were at it. Don't fail me again. Rosebud. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Popcorn Bucket Podcast with Ben and Rob. This is a regular look at the wonderful world of films, film franchises and film nonsense. This week is a franchise fatigue episode in which we take a franchise and look at the high points, the low points and everything in between and sort the perfect puffs of popcorn from the sad stuff bits at the bottom of the bucket. This week, the random popcorn maker of film topics has... Stomped out the Jurassic Park films, which we will discuss with full spoilers from the outset. Hell yeah. So the plan is that we're going to do Jurassic Parks 1 to 3 this episode, and then do Jurassic World 1 to 3 for another episode. So, so yes, we're, we're, we're going to get Jurassic up in this bitch. Well, I was very pleased when the uh, random popcorn maker of film topics popped this out, or stomped this out, actually. I do like that. It stomped it out. It seems to sync with my PlayStation account, I think, maybe. Mm. And I was playing Jurassic World Evolution 2. Oh, I thought it was Lego Jurassic Park that you were playing. No, no, that Cause, was... Because I was thinking, what happens when you run out of Lego games? What are we going to do then? <laughs> no. Uh, no, I haven't played the Lego Jurassic World game yet. I will do because uh, that has that has the the original films as well as Jurassic World. But um, but yeah, no, it, this was this was this was the park builder. I got to be John Hammond. Nice. And uh, but it is more kind of based around Jurassic World, so you have the kind of bigger exhibits and things like that. But uh, there's. This kind of franchise for me, at least, I mean, this is, this is the first film I remember being like desperate to see. So I remember, um, not being able to see it, not being allowed to see it. And it was one of those, th- cause I can't think, well, it came in 1993, the first one. So we would have been, uh, seven. Yeah. Seven, six, right? Six or seven. Yeah. Six or seven. And 
it was it was one of those things that you know wasn't allowed to sit in the cinema and um we didn't go to see it in the cinema and I think it's one of those things that like the mums at school all kind of like wanted to watch it and then feedback to think sort of um uh, the the other mums as to whether it was okay or suitable or not and so it kind of gradually went round and round the the playground I don't think I saw it for a good couple of years I think maybe we rented it on video mm. I had I had a similar thing I mean I was I was super into dinosaurs, as I think yeah. all kids go through a dino phase. I mean, to be honest, I'm still in the dino phase. I still like dinosaurs. But I I remember my parents, because you know, this this felt like the perfect movie, because it was marketed to hell, because it was a Steven Spielberg thing. It was based on, mm. obviously, off the, the very well-selling Michael book. Brandenburg. You know, it was, yeah, it was huge. So, Spielberg kind of... Um was interested in doing the film before the book was written because Michael Crichton and Steven Spielberg worked together on ER. Oh, right. I didn't know that. So he so he knew uh, who was writing it. Yeah, and there was a bidding war for uh, for mm. Jurassic Park as a as a thing. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was the, the going book to be is, massive. Is quite, have you ever read the book? I have, yeah, a long time ago, but yes. Yeah, because the book's quite gruesome and like most of the characters in it have completely different fates. A lot of stuff gets reused in... Uh, Jurassic Park or The Lost World Jurassic Park mm. um, and yeah fairly significant characters have completely different endings yeah and, and and like it's quite a horrific book yes yes it is it's uh, and it's certainly the, the differences between it and the film are interesting to say the least and certain decisions made but yeah I remember mm. I remember this being like I think I don't know if we've still got them somewhere. I hope we do. But McDonald's had... Uh, I had the plastic cups. cups. Yeah, with T-Rex on. They, they had awesome designs. I think I had one, one of the ones with raptors busting through a window. Mm-hmm. And it was it was the best thing I'd ever seen. I had a Jurassic Park colouring book. Uh, well, I had, and we've played Jurassic Park, the board game. <laughs> yes. yes, we have. That was that was your, your childhood coffee, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and, and with the Jurassic Park colouring book, I I remember rather embarrassingly, I I think I think my first celebrity crush was Laura Dern in the first movie because she is she is lovely, but I think at, on one of the pages it was you know to to colour in it was her tending to the Triceratops, but but I put a speech bubble saying I love Ben <laughs> in from the Triceratops yeah from the Triceratops I was deep into I was deep into horned, uh, massive lizard things. Yeah, yeah, from Laura Dunn. Uh, I don't know if my mum found that. Yeah, I know, I know. But uh, I think I had a Jurassic Park rucksack that I took to school as well. So, like, it just it just felt like it was everywhere, and so I was desperate to see it. And and both mum and dad deemed it too scary to Mm. see in the cinema. And they're not wrong. It's a PG as well. Yeah, they're not wrong. There are some sequences that are properly intense. I was a bit of a sensitive kid as well. So I I first saw it on VHS. It may Hooray Physical Media. Hooray Physical Media. Although not necessarily VHS, because VHS was shite. But very much the cassette tape of the video was <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Funny that. Yes, I watched it on VHS at about six in the morning at my nana's house because uh, I was so desperate to see this and, and uh, we'd vis- we were visiting her for the summer holidays 
and and uh, she used to do this thing where, because she was sort of like present giving type, would come back and we would have she had a, like a, a dresser upstairs that had a shelf full of like presents for Leah and I. Like I had a shelf and Leah had a shelf, and on my shelf was oh, wow. was Jurassic Park on video. Oh, she was a she was an awesome nana, and uh, and yeah, so I watched that on her VCR at about six in the morning. And I was transfixed. I definitely remember being like scared, like anxious about the whole thing, but not as scared as my sister, who's two and a half years younger than me. And mm. she did not react well to the raptors. The raptors were, were the, the thing for her. She was hiding behind the sofa. So yeah, but it was, it was one of the best things I'd ever seen. It was, you know, it was just, it realized the whole thing of dinosaurs. Like it was just, it, it, and finally I was seeing this thing that everyone had talked about. And, you know, it, it, I, I don't know if kids get that these days, you know, like not being able to see a thing or, you know, whatever, because I mean, if they're even remotely tech savvy, they can probably find it online. Back in, back in the Dizzle, like these things took ages to come out on video. Yes, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know, and so you were waiting just a long, long time, and that would be the only way I could, I could actually see it. So yeah, but yes, finally, I, I you know, I wrapped it quick, just put it in, fine, and then watch it, and I was like, it's the best thing I've ever seen. And to be honest, it's still one of the best things I've ever seen. Uh, do you want to give us a slight fact rundown? Yes, it was she uh, released in 1993, directed by some chap called Steven Spielberg, based on the book by Michael Crichton, music by John Williams, starring Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, Richard Attenborough, Bob Peck, Martin Ferrero, B.D. Wong, Samuel L. Jackson, Wayne Knight, Joseph Mazzano, and Ariana Richards. A pragmatic paleontologist touring an almost complete theme park on an island in Central America is tasked with protecting a couple of kids after power failure causes the park's cloned dinosaurs to run loose. So we, I can't remember if we recorded, but we definitely, I think we did it all. We recorded and it didn't work this before Jurassic World, the most recent one, came out. And I'd always lost to Gremlins, I guess. And we did say that it's almost impossible to distinguish the film from the nostalgia of us as young, uh, as six, seven, eight-year-olds. Mm. It is It is difficult because it does tap into that whole wonder thing. You do feel... Mm. The, the wonder of seeing these dinosaurs and, and, and again, you know, Spielberg's direction, the John Williams score. I mean, you can't get much better than the design. Oh, everything. Yeah. Everything. Like, like the cars, the, uh, the Ford cruises, those red and green ones. I love those. I love them. Yeah. I, I truly love them. Reebok, I think, brought out trainers in, in those. Um... <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it did look amazing. It is hard to to kind of divorce it from nostalgia. I'm not sure I'd want to either. I think I can I can see it critically. I can go, okay, well, you know, does this work? And and I think having not had any others anybody else's opinion, I think it's still a fucking masterpiece. Mm. Um, I think it's it's one of those things that it works on different levels. I mean, it it's funny because I remember, as I'm I'm sure you were the same. When I watched it as a kid, I related to Tim, the because he's the dinosaur mad kid. Yeah. So you know you're obviously going to to relate to him, and and that's going to be the thing. But now you kind of go, yeah, I can actually see the the adults' 
points more. You know, yes. like I, you know, yeah. I, I, I empathise with Grant. I, 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 you know, I used to think Ian Malcolm was a dick. Yes, uh, and yeah, he, yeah, he is a bit of one, for, but he's right. Same for Muldoon as well, actually. Muldoon's awesome. Yeah, th- th- this is sort of th- this time around. I've really noticed that. Yeah, you know, Ian is. Yeah, Ian Malcolm is right, and Rob Muldoon is kick ass. Yeah, Bob Peck as well, very underrated actor. Yeah, it, it's it's really strange how how my kind of opinion on the characters has changed, mm. but there's still enough thematic stuff in there to make it great, to make you know the the sort of the characters work, the the, the dinosaur wonder scenes work, the dinosaur horror scenes work. I think one of the criticisms of the film is that Spielberg is too lenient on John Hammond. Yes, because in the book Hammond. Is eaten to death by compies. Yes, not compo from last of summer wine. No, <laughs> nice niche reference there. Yeah, and he deserves it because he's yeah. just the the sort of asshole CEO type thing. Yeah. But he annoyed me this time. Yes, like yeah. this is this is one of yeah. this is one of the only times where where he's actually kind of annoyed me because he's he thinks he's Walt Disney. Yes. You know he's he's part of the whole showman thing, and you know even. When you get the the first um bit with the the brachiosaurus, you know, and the whole welcome to Jurassic Park, mm. and you know, it again, it's he he wants it to be a performance, a show. It's it's the whole thing, you know. We open with the 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 worker getting killed by one of the raptors, and then we follow the lawyer into one of the amber mines, and he's there because the the worker's family is suing for twenty million dollars, which you know, good luck to him <laughs> because there were certain. It seemed like they had certain safety things in place, but you know, the dude died on on job. He's Sue Hammond, and so that's why he's there to protect the investors' kind of uh, investments and whatever. And the lawyer is a necessary evil in that respect. You know, the the mine owner says, "Oh, Hammond doesn't like inspections; it slows everything down." Tough shit. <laughs> if you want to get stuff done, you have to have. I, you know, I'm I'm. I'm agreeing with the with the sort of bureaucracy in this because he just Hammond to me seems like a just a rich asshole who doesn't think the rules apply to him. Is Elon Musk? Yeah, basically, and he's talking about you know sparing no expense. Obviously, that's pretty much his catchphrase throughout the uh, movie. But obviously, he did well, skimp on quite a few things when it comes to when it comes to his people. Yeah, while Dickie Attenborough is lovable. You gotta love Richard Attenborough and he's he is brilliant and he does he does lend Hammond a grandfatherly kind of huggable type vibe. It's I yeah, I got annoyed by Hammond this time. I was like, this is all your fault. The bit that got me was when um when it's all, you know, uh kicked off and he's sat there eating ice cream. Yeah. Well that that whole flea circus discussion is is one of my favourites in the movie where he talks about that and then Dr. Sattler, Laura Dern, rightly says, Well, nothing's changed. This is still the flea circus. The illusion is that you thought you had control. Hmm. It's such a brilliant thing. And yeah, obviously, he does then switch from sort of like showman and whatever to just being a concerned grandfather. And so it's easier to get on board with him then. But, and you can say, Well, maybe he's just misguided. But I don't know. He still deserves to die. <laughs> like in in that thing, karmically, he deserves to die because and apparently, uh, 
earlier drafts of the script had him dying. Compies was the thing, because obviously that's from the book. But he was also going to sacrifice himself to save the kids from the raptors. Which would again make act that would actually make sense, thematic sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the fact that he's kind of allowed to just be all maudlin at the end and get on the helicopter with everyone else, no, I sorry, I don't think you get to do that. So yeah, it yeah, it's strange how how I definitely thought that. I mean, the lawyer still sucks because he's still greasy and he's a, you know he's a he's a dickhead and and certainly him wanting to charge any kind of money for these things, you know, that, that sort of avarice and whatever that, that can do one and he deserves what he gets. But yeah. Eating on the toilet. I remember that being a thing in school was just like, Oh my God, have you seen Jurassic Park? There's a guy eating on the toilet. Um, the thing now, cause I actually watched this with my other kid and they've mentioned sort of Jack, well, whenever I talked about Jurassic Park before that they said, Oh, that's one of that really, Somebody dies in a really weird way, and I go, oh, yeah, yeah, eat in the toilet. And they go, no, um, a woman falls in the water and gets eaten by two dinosaurs. So that seems to become oh, that's that's cool. that's the Jurassic World so that's thing, the yeah. thing now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so yeah, that's the famous one now. Wow, and what a one to be the more infamous one. Ugh, mm. We'll talk about it when we get there. All of what Malcolm says when when they when they've got Chilean sea bass, all of what Malcolm says is absolutely true. They didn't earn yeah. the knowledge for themselves, so therefore they don't take responsibility for it. Standing on the shoulders of geniuses. Yeah, he's absolutely right. So, yeah, because this is the first. I think it's it's sort of often quoted. You know, you, you, just because you just because you could, you didn't stop to think of it. You should, yeah. or, or that. Um, it's the first time I've properly listened to the whole speech. Yeah, he's, he's totally right. On and it. it's a fantastic speech as well. Mm, yeah, you know, yeah. before you knew what you had, you, you packaged it, you sold it, and you put it on plastic lunchbox, and you're selling it. You're selling it. <laughs> the way he bangs the table as well is amazing. Ah, oh, Jeff Goldblum is the best in this movie. It's it's one of those films that you know obviously works as a kid because you get to see all the action stuff and it's all great. And you know you like the as, as you said the design of the park. Really, I wanted to go to that park. You know, it, it was. Mm. But then when you've got something that's thematically rich and you have great dialogue scenes and you know kind of whatever it it's it works just like absolute gangbusters and i will never get tired of this film it's it's it is a stone cold masterpiece it, I th- i'd say it's a film that hasn't really been sullied by its sequels no which despite their best I, efforts i think, yeah, I think there's, a, there's a few films we've covered a few sorry a few franchises we covered of, of over the years, um, where I think less good sequels have really sullied the original film, The Matrix, uh, Pirates Caribbean spring to mind as well. Well, I mean, do Zorro? <laughs> I mean, do they though? Because they maybe take the shine off them a little bit because you're just like, oh, that's where it goes. But I don't know. I I still think I still think Pirates of the Caribbean or The Matrix still, you know. You kind of, I suppose, you have to kind of pretend. You kind of have to pretend they don't have sequels, but like Pirates Caribbean, I don't. I think at the time was held up as this fantastic film, and they, but I think now it's almost a a footnote in um, Johnny Depp's uh, hubris. Yeah, maybe. But uh, but yes, I, I certainly agree that that despite uh, its sequels, this one still 
absolutely works and it hasn't been tarnished by anything. It's just it's just a damn good film. I'm always impressed that the CGI doesn't look terrible. No. Although it's interesting because often it's the contact with the ground. Yeah. So like uh, watching Lord of the Rings again, Gollum is fantastic, but when he's sort of stepping in the ground, it doesn't always look quite... Yeah, it looks like they're floating on top a little bit. And there's quite a bit of stuff in this where, like, in the beginning where you see the the, the Ronsauruses, they're always sort of almost stepping, and it's usually in water or behind a log. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, and if you look at the extras uh, of of the, the thing where they talk about how they were going to do it just stop motion, and then, like, pretty much one guy at ILM said, I think we could do the CGI, you know? And then mm. sent some test footage over, which was of the Gallimimuses uh, running. And and apparently, like, it was it, it at the Stan Winston kind of, you know, warehouse where they were making all these amazing creatures. They got news that they were pretty much going CG, these things. And it, it was, that's where the whole line that Malcolm says, uh, don't you mean extinct? You know, when, when Grant says, I think we're out of the job. And he says, don't you mean extinct? That's where that comes from because apparently one of the people really? at the Stan Winston thing said, "I yeah, they, the irony oh, wow. isn't lost on them." But they managed to do it because they they built some of the sort of puppets. Seems a little reductive, <laughs> you know. These are amazing animatronic kind of things, but you know they they built some of those and they they then managed to sort of combine the two things. So they had sort of uh, puppeteering. And, and combine the CGI as well. So they could get the computer model to do whatever they wanted, as well as getting the, the model to do what they wanted in real time. So they, yeah, I mean, it's groundbreaking in many, many ways, but certainly effects. And they knew how to ground it. There are certain things like, yes, the, the initial scene, uh, with the, I think it's Brachiosaurus is the one with the long neck. My six year old me would be appalled that, I haven't remembered all these dinosaur oh, no, names. Um, what was your favourite dinosaur as a child? Ooh. Uh, Triceratops, I think. So, we had to... Uh, I can't remember. I think we've had this conversation off pod before. Mine is always Diplodocus, the, the long neck thing. Mm. And I've always kind of viewed those uh, Triceratops as girl dinosaurs. <laughs> and I've always thought that raptors are made up. Like, I don't really trust them as dinosaurs because it's like they're made of, I feel they're made of for the Jurassic Park. And it's because my entire basis of dinosaurs is based on the Land Before Time. I hate to break it to you, but that's not historically accurate either. I mean, neither is Jurassic Park. No, and Velociraptors, from what I understand, Velociraptors did exist. They weren't that big. They had feathers. Uh, but there was a raptor called a Deinonychus, I think, that had the claws, had the, the, the famous, the famous sort of like, Clause, but it wasn't. It wasn't to do with you know. They were always uh, described as razor sharp, but actually, they're 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 to a very fine point, so they can hold their prey. That's the that's the idea. That's why cats do it, where they they walk with their with their claws off the ground, you know, in the paws and whatever, because it otherwise it will blunt them. Hmm. So, so yeah, so the yes, Velociraptors as as presented in Jurassic Park didn't exist but there is there are well I think that's true of a, a lot of a lot of it really. yeah but there are uh dinosaurs that are about the same so there's the Utah Raptor I think is something that um is kind of similar well Spielberg wanted them to be 10 meters tall and then it was told they weren't that big 
and then after the film, they did find skeletons of raptors that were ten, mm. uh, ten feet tall. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's definitely ahead of its time. I mean, Crichton does his research, and so you know that whole thing about them being the sort of uh, ancestors of birds. That was still not a controversial opinion, yes. but that was still yeah. still wasn't kind of considered as scientific facts like it is now. Um, so so that's cool. The fact that that's still in there, it's not just complete horseshit. It is interesting to me because I do like I do like the fact that the dinosaurs in the Jurassic Park slash World films they are genetic freaks. <laughs> they are made in a lab, and 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 so the reason you can you know the the canon reason for them not having feathers or colorings or being bigger and whatever is because they because they had to sort of fill in the the gaps yeah. in their DNA. Like that, inf- that, like that very informative cartoon says, Mr. DNA, with the, the DNA of a frog or the DNA of all sorts of lizards and things, you know, they were just making it up. So, yeah, they said that's why the Dilophosaurus looks the way it does, the spitter thing. Mm. Yeah, funnily enough, actually, you said the, the Diplodocus is your favorite. Apparently, the, the guy at the, the lead scientist at the Natural History Museum, he, he said there's no one way to pronounce it. Properly, but he prefers Diplodocus, yeah. and I've heard people say Diplodocus as well. But that's too Roman for me. That sounds like a Roman uh, general rather than a dinosaur. So Diplodocus is still the one I go for. But yes, Diplodocus is uh, is his preferred thing. I think Dippy the Diplodocus is still. I don't think it's in the atrium anymore because there was a whole thing about that where no, it's been on tour. He was in Cardiff for a bit. He went to Coventry. It's not real. Dippy came here and I didn't get to see him? Yeah, same here. What the fuck? Yeah, no, I know it's not real. It's a, it's a, a made-up thing. And Whereas they did have a real uh, blue whale skeleton, didn't they? Mm. So yeah, that was that was the argument. That yeah. Yeah, that replaced it. Yeah, but uh, I still want to see Dippy. I probably I probably saw him before, but I didn't, I didn't realise how, how much of a celebrity he was. Obviously, we know that's the... The, the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park aren't exactly uh, accurate, but it, it yeah, it doesn't matter. They're things like monsters, you know, and um, and that's the thing. And I I think it's such a clever thing to make the Velociraptors basically the villains. They're the evil dinosaurs because the T Rex hmm. is kind of kind of too big to care about shit. It's kind of like. It, it, Going back to sort of like comic books and everything, I I feel like the T Rex is almost like Galactus in the way that he's too big and massive and, and to actually consider people on the floor. I mean, yeah, yeah, well, she because they're all female in the park, aren't they? She kills people and whatever, but not like the raptors do. The raptors scheme, <laughs> and and I think that's what makes them great. And obviously, they're built up then as these great villains. So. I like. I like. Yeah, they're not seen for, for like an hour, over an hour and a half in or something. Yeah, and it, and and then when you get the the baby raptor scene, and he's like, "You bred raptors." The the fear on uh, mm. Grant's face is fantastic. So yes, it is. So yeah, so the good. building, the tension building is is great. That you you don't see you don't see the dinosaurs straight away, and like when when they're on the tour, whenever they go into it, past any enclosures, the dinosaurs aren't there. Well, I like, and one of my favourite little exchanges is uh, when Hammond is still clinging to the the whole park thing, and he says, "You know, when Disneyland opened in the nineteen fifties, nothing worked." And 
Malcolm says, yes, but when Pirates of the Caribbean broke down, the pirates don't eat the tourists. Mm. By the way, I mentioned Chilean sea bass. Did you did you come across that in your reading? Nope. Uh, oh, okay. So uh, Jurassic Park rather indirectly may have caused the overfishing of the Chilean sea bass. Really? Yes. So, and it's rather fitting, and I, I think Chilean sea bass is actually like a marketing construct. Because its actual name is Patagonian Toothfish. Hmm. But they came up with the Chilean sea bass thing to market it to people, and it became quite trendy. This is from Vice, and it says how Jurassic Park nearly drove the Chilean sea bass to extinction. Overnight, global attention shifted to the unknown underwater denizen that is the Chilean sea bass. The minuscule cameo was evidently so compelling to diners, some claim that the brief mention in the blockbuster film was a primary contributor to the tempestuous and unsustainable overfishing of Chilean sea bass two decades ago. Wow. Yeah. And they they even had a campaign, which I think then worked, which was take a pass on Chilean sea bass. It only works if you don't speak like me. Take a pass on Chilean sea bass. You know, whereas I'm like... Take a pace on Chilean sea bass. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that almost became like, I mean, that's weirdly fitting, isn't it? That sounds like an anti-drug commercial. Yeah. You got any of that sea bass? No, thanks. I'll pass. Nice. You see, we just did a PSA there. Just say no to Chilean sea bass. I do will note, though, that none of them actually eat the Chilean sea bass. They all just leave well, their food. They're too yeah, going on. Yeah, I know. I, oh, I know the reason why. It's just, you know, it's not as if one of them tucks in and goes, this is delicious. I wish more people would eat this, you know? But uh, yes, that was that was an interesting thing that I found out. Very strange, but uh, no, it's strange. But yes, so this film has one of the all time cinema's all time great dicks, really, doesn't it? Sorry, what? Well, it's the same as the guy in the 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 the, the cop on the bridge in the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, if I ever compiled a list of cinema's massive fools, <laughs> what are you, Mister T, now? <laughs> um, if I did a Rob 100 of those <laughs> yeah I've got two entries go on Nedry well Nedry I mean, is he's such an over the top slob as well yeah. to the point it's the, like a sort of a typical like late 80s 90s IT nerd yeah oh as an aside actually I like when Tim says oh, what's the girl called Lex Lex that he, he refers to her as a nerd because she's a computer hacker yeah, and he's like a massive nerd about dinosaurs. I just I mean, yeah. anyway. So Nedry, it, yeah, the the shaving uh, can thing. The uh, yeah, I, I don't like him. I know you're not meant to, but I've often been referred to as Dennis Nedry, so I think I've been victimized. Glasses. Also, in work, whilst I'm not an IT guy, I do have some sort of responsibility for systems. That's not one big on my part of. But yeah, wow. And ah, 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 you didn't say the magic word. It's still like looping somewhere in my head. Yeah. The 90s. Oh yeah, I can I can call that at a moment's notice. It's it it's burned into my brain. One thing I noticed this time is when he falls over, um, having sort of crashed his jeep trying to steal dinosaur embryos. There's a weird like slide whistle yeah. sound of him falling over. Just whee. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's so weird. I I don't know don't know what that is. And and do you know that when um. When he meets Dodgson, Dodgson, we got Dodgson here. 
when he meets Dodson, uh, the mm. the shaving can thing, when it opens, it doesn't make that sort of hiss whine sound. That's him laughing. Really? That's Nedry laughing. I I'll put okay. a little I'll put a little clip in. How am I supposed to transport them? <laughs> the bottom screws open. <laughs> oh, it's cool to compartmentalize inside. You that's great. Customs can even check it if they want to. I always thought it was, you know, because it sounds like a mechanical sort of like hiss type mm. squeak, you know, that, that you'd expect from something that has coolant and all that shit. And nope, no, that's Nedry laughing. I guess they try and make it sympathise because he has money problems, which Richard Hammond does not care about. Richard Hammond? John Hammond. <laughs> Richard John Attenborough Hammond. is the guy. <laughs> Oh, no, Richard Hammond is a presenter on Top Gear. Yes, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Does not care about, but also it's quite basic to have one person that can like only one person that could do an entire system. That's not a very good. Uh, well, no, and that's say. that's the thing. He when when everything has gone wrong, you know, Hammond says that you know Nedry was a poor choice and they relied too much on automation and things like that and and that's the thing you know the whole spared no expense thing that was just in just in kind of the superficial kind of things the, the actual yeah, yeah, yeah. the actual safety and that's the thing when the lawyer is is there when they're when they're talking and when they're in the jeeps on the way to the sort of visitor center and everything like the lawyer is talking about an electrified perimeter fence and sort of concrete moats around these things and whatever. And Hammond's just like listening to him, like, yes, dad, you know, almost like a fucking very dismissive thing. And it's like, no, someone fucking died. And <laughs> despite all the precautions and tasers and assault weapons and whatever, a man still died just putting one of these creatures into its pen. You, if you're gonna want, if you're gonna want, you know, tourists and everything to come here, ensure the safety. For fuck's sake! But you know, yes. So the the whole thing is is you know, I'm glad he does see the error of his ways, but uh, but it's a shame that it comes at the cost of uh, so many lives. And like mm. some some, co- I mean, you know, Nedry gets what he deserves, and and his whole. Um, that I think That's was the sequence. Horrible. I think that was the sequence that 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 chilled me most was the Dilophosaurus kind of yeah, you know, because it, it, that whole that whole sort of like crest kind of hood type thing, and you know, it goes from quite a nice looking dinosaur to a fucking terrifying one and spitting shit at you. Never moves. They just appear. They couldn't get the puppet to move. It just appears wherever it is. It's just there. Oh, that's very. That's very. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. It makes sense when you think about it, but yeah. But in, in in the book, he can sort of feel. His, I think he's blinded, and I hate yeah, I hate the whole not being able to see without his glasses. Mm. And in the book, when when his stomach's cut open, it sort of talks about how he can feel his stomach in his hands. Oh even god, though he's blind. It's yeah, it's uh, it's dark. Mm. Yeah, so that is definitely a a nasty deserved, way to go out. D- completely deserved. I mean, that's the thing. He 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 was directly responsible for. Uh, deaths and whatever, but uh, but yes, that was the one that chilled me more than more than any of the T Rex stuff or the Raptor stuff. That could be another list: characters that deserve their fate. <laughs> yeah, well, Nedry, bear suit guy from uh, Midsummer. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think it's funny because I was trying to see some kind of connective tissue between these first three movies, and I think the rule 
that does carry over into Jurassic World, spoilers, don't leave children alone. Yes. Because the lawyer obviously leaves the kids in the car to go to the toilet <laughs> when he gets eaten on the toilet. <laughs> Uh, in the second one, even, uh, what's his name? I can't remember the dude's name. It, it, when they're in this sort of, like, hide, hide thing, and he comes down to actually help Jeff Goldblum and everyone, but he does leave mm. Goldblum's daughter up there, and he pays the price for it as well. There does seem to be a, a thing where if you leave kids to the mercy of dinosaurs, even if you're doing it for a good reason, you do get eaten. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, except Alan Grant. Yeah. Because he leaves Lex, because then she, yes. know, she, goes, she, she screams, he left us, he left us. Yes, but that's the thing. He, know, he, he does, get he does, Tim. yeah, and he do, does promise to be right back as well. Like, he doesn't just fucking abandon her. <laughs> like, you know. Mm. And that's the whole thing. I like, I like that whole thing about him learning to be a parent. You know, his whole thing of, you know, he's got a couple of things that kind of run through him not being very good with technology and him being sort of practical more than anything else yeah. is, is cool. Starts off by scaring a child with a raptor and ends by sort of comforting them on, on the helicopter. There's there's also the bit at the beginning of the film with the belt, which I know is quite circulated on the internet, that when he's when they're told to put on their belts as they come to land on the island, mm. he's got, he, he can't. Um, he's only got two female ends of the belt. Yeah. So he Ties, ties them together to find a way. Yes. Because life uh, finds a way. Indeed. Although apparently, according to Sam Neill, that isn't... It was just to show that uh, Grant is bad with, I guess, technology or anything like that. I don't think a seatbelt is particularly high-tech, but, you know. No, no. I mean, if he's doing that, then he probably shouldn't be digging in the desert. <laughs> no. but if he's foiled by a seatbelt. Yeah. But I think I think it's a cool thematic thing whether it was intended or not yes. but i would i would yeah, yeah, yeah. i would chat to uh david kep i think the the co-writer along with michael Crichton, because i i i bet they put that in because it, it does yes it suits the the whole theme so well well because they focus on it so much yeah so yeah and i do like hammond's line we'll have landed by the time you get it <laughs> like yes. you know. the movie making magic is still there you know i've seen people complain about the the sort of like T Rex paddock, the geography of the sequence not making any yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. you know, fair enough. Yes, it doesn't make sense. That, and there that, are elements like like when Tim gets electrified, the kids could have fitted through that fence quite easily. Yeah, yeah. Although I still think that Grant's being electrocuted joke is hilarious still, and so badly timed. <laughs> well, yeah, she's already traumatized. She was already. Yeah. She's already got. A nice case of PTSD brewing, and him to do that is terrifying. <laughs> um, it's a shame that Samuel L. Jackson doesn't get an on-screen death. Yes, apparently he was meant to have one, but they had a hurricane uh, happen, and in fact, some of the footage of that hurricane is in the movie. When you've got the the waves crashing against the shore and everything, it kind of looks like stock right. footage. But apparently, that was them filming what was actually happening to the Hawaiian island. They were they were sort of in the hotel. They were kind of trapped in the hotel for ages. Mm. Richard Attenborough slept through that. I love that. Yeah, he said uh, when they asked him why he why he sort of didn't didn't leave his room. He said, "My dear boy, I slept through the Blitz." Oh, I know. Uh, you can't you can't get much more classic and British than that, can you? What a fantastic dude! No, the Royal T Rex is made of five animals. Mm-hmm. Can you name three of them? 
uh, a T-Rex. Yes. Another T-Rex. Mm-hmm. And a third T-Rex. No, the third one's a Spinosaurus. Oh, okay, damn it. Um, I'm guessing maybe elephant. Is elephant in there? Yeah, baby elephant. That's a squeal. Um, oh, I don't know. I'm trying to think what could make that fucking din. Because, I mean, it is terrifying and iconic. Hmm. I don't know. you got to tell me. A tiger's snarl. Okay. An alligator's gurgle. Okay. A dog. And a penguin. What? Movie magic, man. And they came That's up. Why ended, yeah. Came up with one of the instantly recognisable raw, you know, mm. so good. And yeah, that I still think some of the best sort of blockbuster filmmaking. That sequence when yeah, yeah, it's pissing yeah. down with rain and the T Rex gets loose. It's a masterclass in tension and escalation and, you know, oh, it's so damn good. So, so well done. And look, still looks incredible. They did such a good job. What I love is there are so many iconic shots in this as well. Obviously, you've got the, the, the thum, the little ripples appearing in the, in the water. But, uh, do you know, do you know how that came about? Not how they did it. But do you know how how that idea came about? Bill Book was listening to music in his car. Yes. The way the bass <laughs> shook the mirror. Earth, wind, and fire. Apparently, <laughs> and uh, yeah, the 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 rearview mirror was uh, was shaking. So they to do that, they just put like a little motor on the back of the thing. That was easy. But apparently, they, you know, they had an entire team on trying to work out how to make the perfect sort of ripple in um, in in some water, and it was. Uh, a guitar string plucked on the other side to, mm. to create that thing. So, yeah, I mean, and yeah, instantly iconic. There are so many things. I think that's that's the thing that even filmmakers today could learn because, again, you know, they see CGI as a way of just just patching over holes and whatever, whereas this, they because the technology was new and everything, they had to work on ways of grounding the whole thing. So there are so many kind of shots of, like, the actual sort of puppet type thing as well as as well as kind of like it interacting with stuff always grounding it in the scene uh it always feels like it's it's having an effect on something and that's where you get the sort of foot coming down the the famous shot it's so so good and yeah the the t-rex sequence still maybe one of my favorite sequences in films full stop it's it's incredible and the other shot i really really love is uh later on when they're in the visitor center and you've got the raptor and, uh, and it's got the projection of all the d- DNA, uh, things yes. on it. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah, sort yeah. of Gattaca type, you know, uh, letters. Yeah. That whole kitchen sequence is, is fantastic. The kitchen sequence is also so, so good. Again, masterclass intention. And, uh, yeah. And I, I love, I love how the raptors, the more you know about them, the more, you're scared of them because you know it's like you even have the the whole thing about Eddie Sattler making some kind of joke about oh unless they learn how to open doors and <laughs> you can't yes, yes, them opening the door yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah he's just like oh Jesus Christ yes I think that was the thing that that terrified uh, Leah my sister that was that kitchen sequence and it is pretty intense has to be mm. said 
the, I think the final thing for me is attached to shout about the tagline, which was an Avengers 65 million years in the making. Yeah. Which, when we recorded this way back when, I think I said it was a something about an adventure 65 million and sort of 23 years later or whatever it was. Yeah. And it was re-released recently in 3D for its 30th anniversary. The tagline is now an adventure 65 million and 30 years in the making. <laughs> well, there you go. You could easily get a job marketing these movies. I still don't think I've seen Jurassic Park in the cinema. Wow, that's weird. But yeah, no, everyone everyone is fucking fantastic. The cast are, are amazing. It made me a Sam Neill fan. I've seen him in lots of other stuff, and he's brilliant in that too. Laura Dern is great, and she loves Ben, apparently. Yeah. You know, obviously, everyone goes to the, the Jeff Goldblum thing because it is... It is a hell of a performance. It is just Jeff Goldblum turned up to 11, isn't it? And he actually was in a relationship with Laura Dern when they met yeah. during the Jurassic Park thing. Cause it, you know, but that whole touchy-feely type thing, you know. Um, yeah, it's all genuine. Yes, I love Jurassic Park. It is one of my favorite films ever. And I, I just, I, I don't, see, I feel like Either I'm not saying enough, or that we're saying too much because everyone knows what Jurassic Park is. But I think you need to remind yourself, people at home, how damn good it is. It is still a goddamn masterpiece. Uh, did your kid enjoy it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was quite sweet, actually. The first time in the film when you, you, you see the dinosaurs and it focuses on everyone's face reacting to it. Yeah. They were going, yeah, but what can they see, though? But what <laughs> oh. can they see? Because it re- is. It's how how it kind of um, tantalizes, holds off, on yeah, the, or holds off on the reveal. They also, I think, it's the scariest film they've seen so far. They jumped pretty far back in the sofa during the kitchen scene, and then giggled after every sort of scare. Mm. Yeah, I'm. Well, I'm glad it's still it's still potent. It's still got the punch. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So, so yeah. Good on you, Jurassic Park. Continue rocking out loud is what I say. Oh, did you ever play Jurassic Park Rampage on Mega Drive? Because that was cool. Because you were either Sam Neill going around shooting a lot of dinosaurs. Yes. Like a lot. It was with a taser though, or, wasn't it? Like, No, no. He had like missiles and things. Oh, shit. Were they taser or missiles? You, or you were a raptor. <laughs> yeah. I could uh, Just jumping and killing people. Some of them I remember. I remember. Uh, I think. The one that I remember, I don't know if it was Jurassic Park Rampage, but it was, it was, there was a, a whole thing where you were just, yeah, Grant on your own and, uh, and the T-Rex head would bust through the sort of background. And there's a whole boat thing, yes. And you had to sort of like. You're on the boat and every time you, you have to sort of fire rockets at it. Yeah. Yeah. So I must have, I must have played that. Yeah, it was good. As was uh, the the Lost World Mega Drive game as well. That was sort of three D, like a top down three D thing. That was cool. Mm. Yeah. Well, give us the give us the facts about the Lost World. Uh, the Lost World, Jurassic Park, so called because it would have confused with the film The Lost World. Yeah, I still don't know why it wasn't Jurassic Park Two: The Lost World. Michael Crichton wanted well, well, he was basically asked to write a book and a film, mm. a sequel because because the book did very well. Um, a research team is sent to the Jurassic Park site B Island to study the dinosaurs there, while an InGen team approaches with another agenda. 
Directed by Steven Spielberg. Music again by John Williams. Starring Jeff Goldblum, Julianne Moore, Pete Bothelswaite and Arliss Howard. Released in 1997. Yeah, sorry, I do remember the marketing push for this one. Because obviously it was like, it's the sequel to Jurassic Park. Get excited, motherfuckers. I still have somewhere a colour-changing pencil that I never sharpened. Which is Blazing with the Lost World. And a Triceratops coin. Which came through with something. That's cool. That sort of thing when, when you're a kid, like, I remember seeing, like, scenes from it on, like, trading cards and things like that. There used to be a lot more kind of things where there would just be a set of trading cards based on a movie and you'd get just screenshots from the film. Yes. And then the sort of little description on the back about what's happening. And I remember seeing, um, one of the, the dinosaur that Pete Postlethwaite calls Elvis. The, I can't remember. The thing with the hard head. Yeah. No, 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 no. The thing with the sort of the the pompadour thing. I can't remember the fucking thing's name. I God, six year old Ben. I'm so sorry. I've turned into this guy for many, many things. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry for for a lot of things, but definitely this dinosaur thing. The one with the sort of crest, the bony crest type thing. The one that they they they're trying to snare and capture, and then it yeah. bucks and it. Yeah. No, the one with the hard head. No, the one with the hard head is the Friar Tuck one. The one he describes is Elvis, and the one I'm thinking of is, is the one with the sort of crest that goes back. The one with the hard head, it looks like it's bald. Again, he calls it Friar Tuck. Okay, fair enough. So I remember seeing that scene on a trading card and thinking, oh, like, oh, wow, we get, like, an even better look at the dinosaurs now. Like, this is, this is exciting. And I don't think I saw this one in the cinema either. I think I did. Yeah? And, and did you like it as a kid? Yeah, I, I, I like this film. Obviously, it's not Jurassic Park, but I like it. I, yeah, um, I think it still builds the tension quite well. I think it's, watching it this time, there is certainly reluctance from uh, Ian Malcolm to go back to the island because he clearly has PTSD. It sort of explains that they all signed NDAs and they came off the island. I didn't realise the grandkids were in it very, very briefly. Yeah, yeah, just um, at the start there. Yeah, no, it's it's still got like another well, another evil Hammond, the the nephew. Mm. It's also got Toby from the West Wing in it. I think that's is that's that's the guy that gets eaten by the two T Rexes. Yes, I think he has the most noble death in in the whole franchise. I think so. He probably sacrifices himself. Yeah, yeah, and he he does everything he can to to save the sort of trailer going over the. Thing yeah. and he, he manages it, but then yes, it seems like a a, a particularly cruel death, doesn't it? Hmm. But for someone who yeah was, it's not the cruelest death in the thing. But no, I think it's the most noble. Mm. Oh, definitely, definitely, he he dies for a good reason. It's got a magic bag. It's the first franchise magic bag. What lucky bag? It's not, not magic. Lucky bag. Lucky bag stuff. It is. <laughs> well, it is in 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 these terms. But um, yes, it's, it's, it's a lucky bag that has a very strong strap. A lot of this stuff was used from the book, the Jurassic Park, the book, mm. rather than the Lost World book. I've not read that one, but because um, one of the characters gets eaten to death by his little compy things, which are pretty evil. There's, I think, a T-Rex in a waterfall was from the Jurassic Park. And the opening with a girl on an island, like an unknown girl, gets bitten by a compy, is from the book. I remember back in the day complaining that they go out of their way to say that the girl was injured rather than killed because it, yeah. it and and it is 
it is kind of annoying because it feels a, a little toothless, I guess. Uh, no pun intended. But like, I I sort of like the open when you have this sort of ridiculously rich and privileged family, kind of just just on their their beach kind of thing, and then just allowing the kids to go off. You know, it it's it's odd. And going from the mother's scream to uh, Malcolm yawning. I like that. I do as well. I think that is cool, and I, I like the fact that he's he's dismissed as a bit of a nutcase because mm. you know, again, Ingen denied all knowledge of the whole thing and and whatever. So there are things I like. I I kind of like I kind of like Hammond in this one more because he does feel repentant. Well, he's had a change of heart now. Yeah, he's, he's he's listened to his brother and he's now an environmentalist. Yeah. Yes. But but you know as as Malcolm says he's making all new mistakes, and and you know I yes, I yeah. think I think him having uh, his girlfriend Julianne Moore Sarah Harding already kind of like involved and and on the island so he has to go as well is 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 kind of it's an interesting it's an interesting kind of dynamic where he's just like well I have to go now. Well, there's got to be a conceit to get people to go on the island. Yes, the the sort of compies being the sort of through line throughout this movie mm-hmm. is interesting. I think it is it is kind of interesting, and the fact that they were just a little aggressive over the food and whatever, but obviously then Peter Stormare gets involved and comes to a sticky end. That's a mm-hmm. deserved one as well. That prick. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because that's the whole. They've got nothing to fear, and he electrocutes one goes now they do. Yeah. Yeah. He got his. Yeah, he definitely that's, did. That's quite a cool scene when he sort of disappears behind the log and they all jump over and then you just see the river start to turn red. Yeah. Yeah, they just, <laughs> just, they're all piling over as well. There's no end to them. They're all just jumping on, all getting a piece. But yes, that, that yeah. is definitely it's a enough. Bit where his lip gets pulled out, isn't it? And mm. pulled off. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, and, and you can see why that would be a, a fitting thing for John Hammond as well. Like that, that yeah. being the, the death that he gets in the books. Well, I think he gets that death because his the grandchildren find the like the park tanner system and start pretending to be dinosaurs and roaring. So he thinks he's being chased by a T Rex, right? And then falls and gets eaten by a Hmm. There's a bit where I think it's uh, Ian Markham says this sort of sums up the plot by saying it's a different island with no fences. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, I find I find some of the some of the things in this. Good. I like the fact that you know the good guys are definitely the environmentalists and the people who mm. who just want documents and and whatever. Yeah, because Vince Vaughn's like an environmental terrorist, or yeah, sorry, uh, like uh, mercenary environmental protest. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and so, but even Pete Puzzlethwaite isn't. You know, he's not bad. He's sort of morally right. Well, he wants things. he wants to he you know he initially just wants to hunt the T Rex. It's like the Craven the Hunter type thing. He wants to take on the Alpha Predator and 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 bring back the the, the buck. But then I love his last line where uh where the the oily Hammond guy. What's he called? Ludlow, I think, or something like that. I think so. In the book, it's the guy who had the shading firm. Oh, okay. Not Nedry. Do- Dodson. Dodson. Yeah, so having having that guy, I mean, he's a little bit sort of moustache twirly and all, oh, I'm very English, don't you know? And, you know, I do tend to roll my eyes at that sort of thing. You've got to kind of justify mm. that a little bit because as one of them who speaks like that, 
it, it's it's a little disconcerting to have yourself portrayed as the villain. I, I like it at the end when Malcolm leans into him. I actually think it's quite clever because you, you almost think it's going to be two X going to eat that guy, and Malcolm just leans in and goes, "Now you're John Hammond." I, I like that. Bit. I do. But it's all gone all. completely wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's it's strange because it does feel. Sorry, of, sorry to sorry. interrupt. I just wanted to say that it, just before I forget, Tembo, Roland Tembo, isn't it? He's he's the sort of Muldoon type character. I didn't even talk about Muldoon mm. in the first one and how awesome he is, but he is awesome in the first one, and that whole clever girl yeah, thing is yeah. is great. Clever girl. Yeah, Postlethwaite's character, Roland Tembo, he's he's pretty much kind of that, except that he does he does then get a change of heart, and I love his last line of "I've spent enough time in the company of death." Well, Muldoon Muldoon doesn't have a change of heart because he's he's quite against the park and all the safety measures. Oh yeah, are. yeah, no, but 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 that's the thing. Like, obviously, he just dies. Where, whereas Postlethwaite doesn't, does he? No, no, he's he, kind of he walks a few away. Characters that they just kind of disappear at the end. Vince Vaughn just disappears as well. This film is the one where the dinosaur goes to San Diego, walks around the street, eats a dog, and then goes home. It's yeah, and it sort of feels like a different movie, and that is apparently because Spielberg, Joe Johnson, who directed Jumanji, wanted to make Jurassic Park two, mm. and Spielberg said that he wanted to, but Joe Johnson could direct a future one, which he went on to do. He did JP three, yeah, and Spielberg had thought that the dinosaurs reaching mainland America would be the plot of three. but And then he decided he wasn't going to do a third one, so he put it into this film. Mm. And because I think if you stop it as they leave the island, it's, it's, it's a much better story. The last bit, and I think that it's, it's not got enough time to actually make a lot of sense or, or have any... Have any bearing really? Because almost like the film's finished, they're off the island, and then there's this last bit, and it feels a bit like an afterthought. Yeah, well, it feels like stuff for the trailer, doesn't it? You know, a T Rex kind of charging into a bus. But yeah, it does. It does feel, despite there being some city destruction, and everything, it does feel very low key. But the image of the dinosaur drinking out of a swimming pool is cool. I do like that sort of thing. Yeah, I feel sorry for the dog. Uh, but you don't, because you hate dogs, don't you? As has been documented. Yeah. But, uh, yes, I do find it a little weird that we, we spend some time just in that house where you got the kid waking up and then telling his parents, and then they go out and they... Well, they don't go out, they go into his room and they see that. You know, it's it, it's a little a little weird. But, uh, but yes, the image of, of the T-Rex being sort of lit from underneath with the pool lights and just, just drinking out the pool is very, very cool. And I so it's like a proper sort of like when the ship comes in. It's named the Venture, by the way. Nice King Kong reference. Hmm. Um but I like that in fact it, it, it is like a horror movie on board. You know, you've got the disembodied hands and you've got the Yeah. But uh but yes and Well it, it crashing into the deck's better than speed two. Yes. <laughs> um and oh, apparently, yeah, you like your wrestling. Some of it is used in the wrestling scene for a wrestler called Degeneration X. Oh, really? They're, yeah. And they're they're, uh, they're a they're a team, Degeneration X. They're a faction. So it's like Triple okay. H oh, yeah, and yeah. What's what the hell's used in the the original entrance video of the World Wrestling Entertainment faction Degeneration X? Is a shot of people running for their lives down the street to escape the rampaging dinosaur. Oh wow. They used 17 frames of it, and it was used in 1997, but may have been used earlier than that. Wow, that's cool. 
Was that was that an entry for multi suplex? Multi suplex. Why has it got the same noise as uh, Spider Man? The, the Spider Man is a thwip. That was more of a whoosh, like a like a suplex. Sound. I don't know. I thought it was something better than multi suplex. It's still can't be a better name. <laughs> God damn it! Um, something I've been wrestling with. No, how about WrestleFlex? Because I'm flexing my knowledge about wrestling, but you also flex muscles. You may as well just call it. You may as well just call it Ben knows stuff. Yeah, I'm going to call it Ring Rust. Why? Because in in professional wrestling, when you've when you've sort of taken a break from uh, from wrestling, you get the sort of Ring Rust, which is like um, you're slow because you, you're not doing the same. You know, you're not doing the wrestling matches day in day out so you may have some kind of ring rust type thing where you're not working at your best and also ring rust it could be like a a a butthole kind of reference as well so you know which which is on brand what you didn't like you didn't like multi-suplex so no i don't like that either it's impenetrable dude i don't i i i can't think of a good name for this maybe we should crowdsource it Maybe people don't care about me naming wrestlers. <laughs> you know, maybe that's a thing. You know, no. <laughs> maybe it's just some self-indulgent bullshit. Who knows? Anyway, yeah. So I thought Toby for the West Wing was really good in this. Yes, yeah, so that's the thing. You you have you have your West Wing kind of stuff. So yes, I this one. It does. It has the movements. I really hate. I I think Jeff Goldblum's daughter. What is her character name? Jeff Goldblum's daughter. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, so Jeffina. Um, I think she's really good, but I really hate that scene where she uses the things as bars and then kicks the raptor out the window. Why? Because uh, it's dumb. Why? Because the raptors are the villains. I know they got kind of outwitted by the kids in the kitchen. And whatever, but that was that they were outmaneuvered. I guess I really, really don't like her karate kicking the the raptor out the window, and then it gets. I like it. It's fun. I know, and maybe maybe a film that has dinosaurs and shit, and it should be fun. But I I've always hated it, and then then the sort of I don't mind the quips, you know, the school cut you from the team. Yeah, that's all right. But but the actual thing of you know, especially when raptors are your big bad, still they are. The scariest dinosaur. Having a kid overcome that, just as a yeah, but it doesn't. It doesn't defeat the, the raptor, does it? It fucking kills that one. Only because it landed on a spike. Yeah. Well, that's pretty. That's pretty defeated to me. If I if you landed on a spike, I think you'd be pretty defeated too. Yeah, but she didn't know that was going to happen. She, I mean, she just kicked it through a window. I, I, I hate that bit. Always have done. I don't mind that bit. I'd say it's the best bit of the entire franchise. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's it's an odd one because I do like the, the 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 two groups being there and having to then work together because yes, yeah, you know, and that's a classic trope. I like. That. Yes, exactly, and and the the trailer sequence I think is really well done with them hanging over mm. the cliff and uh, Julianne Moore, the glass cracking oh, as well. So, that that is really cool. 
that is a really, really cool sequence. Although I hate them hanging there and it blows up at the bottom of the thing. It's pissing down with rain it, and it blows up and you got CGI shit. I wish that didn't happen. Oh, yeah, the tyre coming. Yeah. Sort of yeah. yeah it's just like, I can buy the dinosaurs, but that shit, no. <laughs> so, so yes, that, that can do one. But... There's also a fair amount of nature taking stuff back because it's kind of the abandoned island. I like all that. Yes, I do as well. And I, I think... I always remember the 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 uh, bit where they're going through the long grass and you've got the raptors. Oh, the swishing tails. The yeah, swishing yeah, yeah. tails, well, like taking people out and then you can see yes. the, the above shot of them tracking yes, through. Cool. It's very, very Actually, cool. Actually, when I think of Jurassic Park as a whole, the, the swishing tails, the, the, sort of, the, the couple of them lined up in the grass as they're eating the people. Mm. That's one of the things that springs to mind. For, uh, yeah, And it has a cracking shot of one of the, one of the raptors leaping onto a guy uh, from that, one of the last people they kill, and that bit, they, you know, they, it's it's something they they just couldn't do in the first film of that of that kind of like leaping raptor. It looked and it still looks awesome. So so yeah, and yes, it it it's weird. It does. You're right. It does become like a different film after after the after they actually get off the island, and then the San Diego thing, which it's like they. They do technically go big. They've got a T-Rex stomping down the street, you know, eating people and smashing things up. But again, it feels quite low stakes, weirdly. Yeah. So, so yes. But I like the the villain Ludlow guy being like used as like a training kill for the baby T-Rex. I think that is very cool. There's a deleted scene where it's revealed that he breaks the baby's arm, uh, leg. So the older dinosaur, sorry, the parent dinosaur, breaks his leg before the baby kills oh, him. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, that's that's the funny thing because I assumed that that was the case because they were they were making the baby cry and they were waiting mm. for the, the, the... But I thought that was like Tembo and his mate who who were doing that to, to lure a trap for the, for the parent Rexes. It's fine, but it, it, it's not it's not Jurassic Park. And I, I think the fact that it there are bits that I enjoy I certainly don't hate it, but I don't like it very much either. It's it's kind of bigger in scale, but sort of lighter in in theming and and hmm. characters and everything, which is which you know is pretty much your standard blockbuster sequel type deal. But it it feels like it it didn't have time for any of those conversations like they did in the first one. About uh, over the Chilean sea bass, some of the, some of the feedback they were given uh, the, f- between the films that uh, one of the producers had a letter from a child which said, "When you make the next one, please don't have stuff that's not on the island or you know the um, that stop the dinosaur get that stop the dinosaurs appearing." Yeah, well, the kids are dumb. Fuck that kid. I mean, but that kid's name was David Lazar. <laughs> just, I think holding off on on the dinosaur stuff is always a good thing. Spielberg makes you wait for it in the first one. Mm. Um, this one, you wait a little bit. You, you see the compies, but they aren't exactly like they're not your blockbuster dinosaurs, are they? you? Get you get the, the no. Stegosaurus later. Well, that fills the same role as the opening sort of the, you know the nice dinosaur entrance. Yes, isn't it? yes, exactly. That's 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 the wonder, you know, the ooh ah, and then then it starts with the screaming and the running, like Malcolm says. 
I feel like there should be more more time for discussion in this, and it, it's pretty much all go once they get there, and I get that it's a risk. But then operation. I suppose Ma- Malcolm has made up his mind based on the first film, and so really there doesn't need to be more discussion. I suppose, well, that's he's the not going to convince anybody. No, and, and you know, the, the, uh, the evil dude, I suppose, like, who's he going to argue with about the, the sort of yeah. moral implications of it all or whatever? Like, I get that, but I feel like it's still, it still feels very shallow. It feels, it feels bigger, but shallow. And, um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's fine. It's certainly, uh, not as bad as leading stress part three. So I don't look like an idiot. It's, oh, sorry. Yeah. You, you, you're breaking up there a bit. Okay. Yeah. It's not as bad as. Oh, I see. No. Jurassic Park. Oh, Jurassic okay, Park okay, three. No, okay, let's just do it properly. Okay, but it's not as bad as Star Wars Episode Nine. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Well, it's also true. <laughs> true, very true. But it's not what I was after. No, it's fine. Jurassic Park three. Just carry on. Also, well, another film produced by Kathleen Kennedy. Um, yeah. By the way, I'm actually, sure. sorry. No, 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 just to interrupt you again. Um. I do think it's funny seeing Kathleen Kennedy's name, obviously there's a long time producing mm. partner of Spielberg and everything. It's funny how the backlash to her has only really started with the Star Wars stuff. It, you know, yeah. she was producing these films happily. Yeah, happily for decades before that whole thing. And you just know now that the first Jurassic Park, they would hate the character of Dr. Sattler. Because she has a couple of yeah. like feminist yeah, type yeah. deals, you know. Obviously, the uh, the the God creates man, man kills God, man creates dinosaurs, dinosaurs eat man, woman inherits the earth. You know mm. that would be oh, dismissed yeah, yeah. as woke nonsense. And also, there's the the whole bit where she's going off to turn on the power, I think. And Hammond intimates that he should go because he's a man. And she said, "We'll discuss sexism in survival situations later, or something to that effect." You just know that that would be, you know, people would be losing their shit over that crap. Like, just, oh, it's woke, you know. But, you know, Laura Dern got a chance to play one of those characters that annoy people in the form of Holdo in uh, The Last Jedi. So, yeah. yeah. But still, it's, it's funny how as peerless as Jurassic Park is. And, you know, so what that Dr. Sadler has a feminist streak to her? That makes sense. Um, but you know, it's, it's funny how that, as you said, it would be review, review bombed. You'd have fucking eight hour videos talking about how Jurassic Park is woke and all this crap. We, we really live in the worst timeline, don't we? <laughs> okay. So Jurassic Park 3 released in 2001, directed by Joe Johnston, starring Sam Neill, William H. Macy, Ter Leone, Alessandro Nivola, Trevor Morgan, and Michael Jetta. A decidedly odd couple with ulterior motives convinced Dr. Grant to go to Isla Sauna for a holiday, but the unexpected landing startles the island's new inhabitants. So this one is the is the, the paragliding thing, or whatever. Yes, I do like the name of these dinosaur The, the dinosaur, yeah. And the film goes downhill from there. Yeah, basically. I mean, do you know it's actually the... It's, it's implied that it's the Spinosaurus that actually eats the people on the boat. I thought the boat crashed. <laughs> it does because they because they they were eaten. 
Did you not see the ripped canopy and the blood? Uh, oh, I suppose so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But my question is, and I don't know, again, movie logic, etc., but, like, why why are they so... They're, they're, they're paragliding. They're, they're on a rope from the back of the boat. If the boat crashes, who gives a fuck? How are they affected by that? Yes, yeah. But then, you know, but then they're just like, we're going to crash. So he's just like, I, I just undo the thing, and then they go into the fucking dinosaur-infested island. Like, it... What? <laughs> the way this film opens, even, it, it feels off. There's something, and it's, it's something that Joe Johnson does that, that, because I really like him. He made The Rocketeer, one of my favorite movies of all time. And okay, yeah, yeah. he also made Captain America, the first Avenger, which I really, really like. And. Yes, yeah. And Jurangi. Um, but I think this one, tonally, it's, it's more kiddified, I think. And so when when you yeah. ha- when you have the sort of uh, Ela Sauna thing come up, you know we we got the standard thing, you know so and so miles from Costa Rica or whatever, and then big red text comes up saying restricted, you know, and then then you have a shot of uh, the boat captain or at least the the tour guide guy looking uh, at stuff via the binoculars, and it's a really badly composited shot. But everything sort of feels off in this, even from the Jurassic Park title thing, when you've got the Jurassic Park comes up and then you've got, oh, slashes that come down, and then you go through it like it's fucking Lethal Weapon or some shit. Like, that shit was hackneyed in 2001. Like, I don't know, I, I again, was this made more for kids? I guess so. Well, this had so many rewrites this, to, to the point where they didn't have the finished script to shoot. You shock me. Because <laughs> they, it's... It's, it's, it's bizarre that initially they had uh, originally Spielberg created a story that Alan Grant was living on one of the islands to because but like Robinson Crusoe mm. and was yeah uh, was there to research dinosaurs but they wouldn't let him so he was sort of hiding in secret but Joe Johnson said that he couldn't imagine this guy wanting to get back on any island that had dinosaurs after the first movie which is fine and again there's a little bit of PTSD in this one and a talking dinosaur um it was Craig Rosenberg wrote a film of a, a, a copy which had teenagers become marooned on Isla Sauna, uh, and a scrap scene would have involved characters on motorcycles trying to invade raptors, which was taken from Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic Park Two, which wasn't used either. Then Peter Buckman was had to rewrite the draft and did in early two thousand, which had dinosaurs uh, causing a series of mysterious killings on the mainland. Mm. And then it was rewritten again, which was going to be about at, at the end of it, the government was going to blow up the island. The US government was going to blow up the island, uh, the island, and Grant stays behind and begins living on the island, which was Spielberg's initial idea. Mm. And it was originally going to be called Jurassic Park Extinction or Extinction Jurassic Park Three or Jurassic Park Breakout. But yeah, there was no finished script. Yeah, well, it definitely shows because I mean, this is just a bunch of half-baked ideas thrown together. Um, yes, you know, I, and like the Avery sequence was taken, I think, from either the book Jurassic Park or the book The Lost World. Yeah, a lot of the Jurassic Park films, the the sequels are always doing things that were rejected from the first, the previous one or yeah, whatever. Yeah, there, yeah. there are bits, there are bits in Jurassic World that are from the Jurassic 
park book you know it's just it, it there are it, it's it's weird how they never throw out an idea for a sequence involving dinosaurs it's got another lucky bag it does it does and uh yeah that's a weird through line isn't it that that mm. both julianne moore and uh billy billy the, billy the idiot billy the idiot has has have lucky bags there's something so so off about this i I remember not liking the fact that that Grant and Sattler didn't get together, but then I, watching it as an adult I, I like now, it. Yeah. I like. I, yeah, it's nice. Him him becoming more fatherly doesn't mean that their relationship would work. We I, don't know they were in a relationship. They were definitely in a relationship. She wants a kid. It never says. It's intimated. Yeah, but she can have a she can have conversations where she wants kids. He can have conversations where he doesn't. They don't. You know, they work together. There's a bit where. Um, Markham says, but are you a couple? And it's never really answered. Yeah, no, but then he immediately apologises because he, he knows that they are... Or assumes. Yeah, assumes. They, they are a couple. Eh. They actually are. Rob, just, just... They are. That's it. It's all, it's all, and she's very touchy-feely with Grant initially and, and sort of setting him up like with the kids and you know she said, I should ride with you because it'll be good for you. And all that—that's a very—that's a very sort of like girlfriend thing to or do. Or it's just, or, or it's just they're very good friends. Rob, they were um, hardcore fucking. Don't even with me on this. Anyway, so they never got together as a as a as a couple, and I like the fact that she has a a family life now, hmm. and her kid is interested in dinosaurs. You know, I like the over explanation of when she says, "Well, you know, he's three. Explain it when he's four. <laughs> yeah, when he's like they're herbivores, they wouldn't actually attack each other. Now these are carnivores. Yeah, yeah. He still hasn't quite got the whole thing about the the father stuff. But um, what isn't a through through line in these films is the shaving foam canister, which I would have thought would have been right for the sequel. Uh, yeah. Well, you haven't seen Jurassic World Dominion, have you? I have, and reading because I, I read up on the wiki about the um, the shaving canister, and I think I either just did, wasn't paying attention or didn't remember any of it. But yeah, that's your brain protecting you from an <laughs> awful film. It, stop spoiling later episodes. Sorry, um, it appears in uh, Jurassic World Camp Cre- uh, Cretaceous. 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 Sorry, it's a it's a it's a through line of that. But I'm surprised it wasn't a part of any of these sequels. Well, I mean, they say they. They say that the actual thing is that there's enough coolant in there for 36 hours or something. Hmm. So, and it being lost in an absolute mudslide on the pocket, it, it makes even less sense that they yeah. found it and could use it. This one replaces the T-Rex with the Spinosaurus. Yes, which I hate. I, I mean, there were bigger dinosaurs than the T-Rex. Yeah. Apparently, the model was the biggest animatronic ever made, and it broke the T-Rex animatronic. So that's why the fight's over very quickly because <laughs> the puppet had broken. Yeah. Well, apparently they made this it, it, thanks to scientific advances and everything. They actually kind of made the Spinosaurus a little too small. It was bigger in real life, and it might have been under, underwater, predominantly underwater creature, mm, which they have in this. He is it's aquatic. Um, but I don't, I don't like the whole thing of of the the big bad sort of dinosaur disposing of the previous big bad like it feels a little on the nose yeah 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 again it's the it's the sort of kiddie stuff and like you said with the with the dream sequence and the the raptor saying alan which is alan. which is awesome i i i've grown to love it now because it is so ridiculous they have a great uh, nod to that in the 
Lego Jurassic World thing. I saw a, I saw a clip of that on YouTube. It is great how they do that. The, the tone kind of just it. There are so many like weird shots, like uh, when the plane crashes like properly, and then you have you have a shot of the sort of fuselage falling, uh, but you kind of start like pretty much in the actor's mouths and then it drops and ah and it's like a like you know a, yeah. a kid's adventure type thing and yeah totally yeah, yeah. totally compare, compare super, that with, super with weird. the car falling out the tree in the first film exactly like like the Jurassic Park and to a lesser extent Lost World were were kind of more content to have the scary things be scary in this one, they're trying to do the scary things as well as the sort of kiddie type stuff, and it doesn't work. Well, there's no tension in this film either, because you think how quickly, you know, how long it took the T-Rex and the Raptors to appear in the previous films. Mm. And in this one, they land on the island and the Spinosaurus is there. Yeah. It's, it's the first thing you see when they go off the plane. Mm. And there's no build-up, there's no, there's no tension, it's just, there, there you go. I'll say one nice thing for this film is it does not outstay its welcome, because it's about an hour and a half. Yeah. It? Yeah, but I and I don't think as much as I like the actors, I don't think you could get a a couple with less chemistry than William H Macy and Taylor Leone. Hmm. Well, they are meant to be divorced. Yeah, I know, but they don't convince as as a couple at all. Well, and I'm not I mean, in this. This is where she she finds out that that you know her her son is safe, but her husband has died, and she's not at all bothered at all. For the it's whole not. Film. It's not her husband. It's a it's a friend. She just said it was a friend. His name's Ben. What a stupid name. Yeah, I know. It's a terrible name, and he got what he deserved. But, um. <laughs> Just being called Ben. Yeah. He was a boyfriend. They say friend in a way that's. Oh, okay. What? God. We, we clearly do not understand relationships in these movies, especially this one. <laughs> but Grant and Sattler were definitely fucking, though. <laughs> like, I'm not. No. I, I, no. They were. Don't make me open a poll. I will. But, yeah, she. That's the thing. Because it's a it's a horrific thing when when they find the the sort of the paraglider and the whatever it is parasail even the the sail in the tree and then and he drops mm. down and he's had all the flesh kind of eaten away and everything and yeah she screams because she's like all caught up in it and all bad and she runs away and then William H Macy runs after her and um, and then he manages to grab her and like kind of you know he says I'm sorry about Ben and she goes it's not that yeah it's the fact that Eric's on his own. And he's like, fucking, <laughs> come on. With, a man has died. Like, like a man has died uh, that you apparently cared for in some capacity. Whether you were getting down and dirty with him or not is irrelevant. The point being is you knew this man and he's he's, he's died and uh, it was broken to you in, in a horrific way. Why do you not care that he died? It's super weird. But again, you feel that, that the script would have... There may have been more to the, but they just needed to go. Okay, well, we need to get them to this point. We need to them to see the the raptor eggs. We need them to, uh, you know, see this and that. We'll get to them to this point, and we need to hammer home that the kid is on his own. But I don't know what. Apparently, Ben died because the, there was there was going to be a Velociraptor attack on the camcorder footage. Like, cause, cause that's the thing, cause you see, they find the camcorder, don't they? Hmm. And, and you see, you see him, cause he's stuck in the tree, you see him drop the camcorder to the kid. Um, and, cause you, cause the kid says something like, the, the camera's still on. And, but then, did he not 
he clearly didn't get out of the tree. I guess raptors came and killed him or whatever. But it doesn't it it doesn't make any fucking sense. No, because the raptors wouldn't strip his flesh either. They'd eat him or chop him up. Well, you'd imagine that maybe you know then then other kind of smaller creatures and whatever had had pieces of him afterwards. But yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make any fucking. It's dumb. There's there's a lot about this film that's very very dumb, and um, and I do feel like I've got no problem with with more sort of family orientated entertainment and whatever, and and but the fact that the first Jurassic Park is still a PG, and this is as well, I believe. Yeah. It shows yeah. it shows the the fucking huge difference in tone and everything everything like that. And as I said, this is more. This is more kind of it leans into the wacky thing, which I don't like very much. The whole through line of the Spinosaurus eating the satellite phone and then shitting yeah. it out is weird. Although I will say, Jurassic World Evolution, this does sound like a fucking advert for the game. I can't remember if it was in the first one, but definitely in the second one, that's one of the maladies that the uh, the, the dinosaurs can come down with is they've eaten the phone. And you have to then tranquilize them, take them to the med bay, and get them operated on, and then take them back. <laughs> so, um, so that's a nice kind of touch. This one is just so scattershot, and and there there are bits that I like. The, the sort of Avery bit with the with the uh, Tranodons and everything is really cool, and I love. Yeah, that, that was it, all right. But it takes its time with that one. It it builds the tension. You've got you've got the sort of mist and everything. You've got Grant noticing that there's you know kind of guano or whatever on the railings and and everything, and then the sort of mist clearing a bit, and you can see that they're in a bird cage. Like that's that's actually taking its time, as you said. When they land, oh, the Spinosaurus is there immediately, and then oh shit, they run into a T Rex, and then the Rex and the Spinosaurus have a fight, and you know it just it's it's rushed. It is so rushed to get nowhere in particular, and then and then when you when you get sort of like, I quite like the idea that that the raptors are more intelligent than they first figured, and they do have kind yeah, of social I mean, things I, with the talking. I think they take it, yeah, they take it yeah. too far. It does have a three D printer though. Or yes, I I was I was actually impressed by that. I was like, wow, they had a three D printer before that was like properly a, a thing but he's got the resonating chamber or whatever so he's got a, a raptor call the raptors kind of like pursuing them the billy the idiot he's, he picked up the eggs and put them in his lucky bag he was originally meant to die but he absolutely should have actor yeah he should have the actor uh asked joe johnson to change his mind so he did something else should have pushed him out the plane <laughs> at the end but they found him that's how the film should have ended. Yeah, he should have pushed him out of the plane. Just, just, just his his kind of gurney hitting the water, and then it's bum 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 banana banana banana. Yeah, and and I thought that him him sort of like saving the kid and then being eaten or, or at least mauled by the Trandons, that that's a that's a good sacrificial death, and yeah. and that's that's karmic redemption for. Being an idiot and fucking with nature, because you know that's that's the whole that's the whole kind of thing behind it is that he's not a couple with nature. Nice. I I yeah. I really really do not like this film. It, it there there are things that I think are great. I think the the 
the river sequence that they have when they're on the boat and you've got all the dinosaurs at the side and it looks like a river ride and that's nice although not entirely sure about the sort of brachiosaurus looming over when they have a bunch of them that's odd and and i like the shot of the sort of spinosaurus going through the water where you see the spine come up and everything but it's just it is so rushed to get nowhere and the kids like actually being like a survivalist and being on his own and sort of like mute from aliens and and whatever but you know he's kind of hyper competent it's just like so raptors just aren't a fucking problem now in this universe i guess kids can just beat them they can kick them out of windows and they can just survive. You really have a problem with children, don't you? Well, they should all die. I mean, sorry, that slipped out. This is going to be the, like, like you go on about me and dogs. This will be you and children. Although I think it'd be far more people to be cross with, with me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I don't mind kids at all. Kids are great. But um, I think I think having them in a film where they are the most vulnerable, it makes sense as a thing. That's why the kids being left on their own in the first Jurassic Park. That's why that's such a terrifying thing, and that's why the lawyer is such a scumbag, because he's self-serving and he's he's, he's running out of fear, and, and then he gets punished for it. I, I think that having having a capable kid able to sort of fight back against the sort of force of nature that is the raptors, especially when when a lot of time is, is, it's still coasting on the fact that they were built up very, very well in the first one. And the second one yeah, to a certain extent, but like, I mean, in, in the first one, they defeat the raptors by hiding in a cupboard. But they, they, they kind of get out of that by the skin of their teeth. Like it's just they manage to outmaneuver them because you know that they don't kind of like kick them or kind of. It, it's it's not the same. The kids survive because you know the raptors aren't suited to a kitchen environment and they don't understand what <laughs> reflections are. Or what a, a what a freezer is, you know. It's yeah, they they survive through chance really more than anything else. Having having a kid kick a raptor through a window, or have a kid finding like gas grenades and shit like that, and managing to sort of scare off the raptor. No, 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 no. I I think kids should be vulnerable in these films. Having them hypercompetent is just like, well, I guess all the fear's gone. So yeah, so yeah, I, I, yeah, you're right. I hate kids. Should have been dogs. Dogs could do all that. But do you see what I mean, though? Like, it, why I would have a problem with that? Like, it's just because it, a, a lot of a lot of sort of like more family friendly things have the kid overcoming something, maybe overcoming a fear or whatever, and that's good. I think that that is the thing. But when the whole point is that human beings cannot best dinosaurs we thought we could control them and we can't we thought we could bend them to our will and we can't it kind of goes against that whole thing it goes against them being a metaphor a, a force of nature something that is beyond our capacity to understand but then this is a family friendly film and i think as they go on they get more family i know but why is it a fucking you, family friendly said, film as, as you said in the beginning you identified with the child. Well, children go to see films. Yeah, so. true. But then I wasn't patronised by Jurassic Park. I feel this is patronising. But there's always been films that are patronising to children, films that aren't. Yeah, but Jurassic Park was not one of them. Jurassic Park was a PG. Yes, parental guidance or whatever, but like, it still, it didn't talk down to its audience. And I still managed to find things in it that I could relate to and whatever without having my intelligence insulted. 
But that's, prob- that's, that's an issue with movie making in, in general. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's just a shame that it happened to this franchise. Is what I'm saying. It, it's like, and I, I think that that's trying to sand off some of those corners and everything sort of goes against the whole Jurassic Park thing. I don't think Jurassic Park should be family friendly. I don't mean it to be like a fucking 15 or an 18 or something, but, but you know, the first one managed... Well, James Cameron wanted to make it an 18. Well... He wanted to make the film as a sort of a horror-like alien. Yeah. And you could... You, I could see that. But having a family-friendly thing... I, I know kids love dinosaurs, and that was my way into the whole thing, but it's just like, it feels... It feels against the whole ethos of the, of the thing. I mean, the whole point of the first Jurassic Park thing is that it isn't kid friendly. They're the target demographic. Remember, he says it, hmm. and uh, and they the kids especially have a terrible fucking time. If the film was decent and those were just like kind of bits, I would understand kind of like me being a little too harsh. But I think the fact that that Jurassic Park three is just bad. It doesn't help its case. And then those things really, really stick out because I, I feel that if you don't have sort of plots or characters to kind of grip onto, you, there's going to be something that you notice, something that sticks out. And normally then it's something terrible. You know, it, it, it's, it's the, the Phantom Menace thing when you don't have the, the plot to kind of, you know, people landed on Jar Jar Binks because he's one of the more obvious kind of like bad things about it. And and I, and I feel that that with Jurassic Park three, most of the time I'm so fucking bored. I'm still like, oh, it's got all this kid crap in it as well. Kids can be great, and they can be they can be welcome presences in in movies. It's just I feel that when you're dealing with horrific things like dinosaurs, maybe they shouldn't be as well equipped to deal with them. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You kind of you say you can have great kids in films and terrible kids in films. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it, the film has many, many flaws and many, many worse things than than the survivalist kid and whatever. It's just it's just one of the more obvious things to me. I'm just like, oh come on. But you know, it is what it is. It, it it's surprising that they yeah, it well, it's not surprising that they, they started shooting without a script. Imagine but doesn't that show you how kind of low priority they think that writing is and that's what the yes. strike is about and everything? But then but then sometimes like you know, the Mission Impossible films they start without a script. Uh, particularly the uh, Chris McQuarrie ones and that's they've worked in his favour. Yeah. I think you know, Iron Man didn't have a finished script, I think I suppose maybe it's just down yeah. to the talent involved. Yeah. But but, you know, with these things, it's, you know, the release date is set in stone and we have to do anything we can to get to that point. And, you know, let's start without a finished script. And I feel that you could have done some interesting things with Jurassic Park 3, but um, yes. none of those things are, are in this film. No, no, no. Um, and and it, it, it feels like just a massive waste of, of you know, like and it, it does feel like the leftovers of this of the franchise. It feels like the bits that they just couldn't cram into. This is like the Jurassic Park two point five type deal. Like you know, it's yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. just the extra shit they couldn't pack into the Lost World or whatever. So you know, and that's a theme that does continue into the uh, Jurassic World films as well. Spoilers. So yeah, no, I hate this film. I really do. And I've seen it more times than I should have. <laughs> so, so yeah, fuck this film. 
Okay. I've not really got anything to add to that. I, I'm not a fan of it. Um, I think I liked it more slightly this time, but I was there than the previous time watching it. But yeah, just Billy's an idiot. He deserved to die. And um, that's a, that's the thing as well. The fact that he's okay and well, he's he's messed up, but he's on the he's on the kind of chopper at the end. Yeah. Like at least have some people, kind of you know, pay the price, and you have the the sort of mercenary kind of guys a bit and Ben but they don't deserve it no does anyone does anyone actually deserve to like die is anyone who's bad in that film that gets Billy. punished apart from Billy it was Billy's fault yeah and well, and it, 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 it was William H. Macy and Tony Annie's fault yes I guess but they don't get punished no see it, it, that's what I mean as well I think there should be there should be some kind of karma thing to this, you know, it, it's always, it's always, you, you mess with nature and it messes right back. Nature will mess you up, son. I think that is a through line of all the films that, you know, some people just die when they don't necessarily deserve to. And I think there are a couple of people, well, I suppose not, most of, most of the villains die, don't they? Yeah, in nasty ways. But yes, it, it, I suppose there's always, there's, there's a couple of people who definitely don't deserve to die and get nasty deaths, but it, it it just it just feels like Jurassic Park three doesn't have anything, <laughs> you know. And and as Billy should have definitely died, absolutely. And apparently the actor had a terrible time on on filming it anyway. So you know because people have asked whether he would come back, and yeah, I I don't think it was fun to shoot or to watch. So fuck it, fuck that film. But has it been fun to listen to? Just, it just, just, just opening up that question to people, you know, they're, they're always going to lead negative. You know what they're like. Fucking Jurassic Park 3 loving pricks. That's it for this week. <laughs> thank you very much for your time and thank you for listening. We'd love to have your feedback. Please email podcast at thepodcombucket.com. You can find us on Instagram at podcombucketpod or on threads at the same. Or over on Twitter at podcombucketpd. Thank you so much to Lawrence Owen of Lungcat Media for the theme music. If you're able to, it'd be great if you can rate the episode wherever you listen to your podcasts and subscribe and share. Many thanks. Take care. And see you next episode. I hope you have a rawsome time. What he said apart from that rawsome bit. Also, Rob, you didn't open the pod with the Jurassic Park podcast thing, did you? Podcasts uh, find a way. Wow. Really dug deep for that one, did you? Yeah. Uh, 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 you didn't say the magic podcast? That is one big part of shit. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>